Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. I was dreaming that I was in the house of the Lord and I was worshiping the Lord and people had left and there'd been so many people that had gone, but as I stood in the church and I began to worship the Lord, the house just filled up with people. The Lord said, if you'll just worship me, he said, everything, it seems like the devil tried to steal. He said, I'm going to give it all back and then some. Come on. How many of you are ready for God to move in your life like never before? If you're ready for the word, shout, bring it on. If you can remain standing for just a moment, I want to tell you that this week is going to be a mighty week. We're going to be dedicating our new kids center. Hallelujah. And Pastor Christian, a little bit later, we'll share with you all the specifics, but this is a powerful week. And today is a powerful day and I'm ready for you today. I feel like teaching that somebody's gonna leave transformed, hallelujah. You by live stream, I'm so glad that you're with me. If you're still worshiping at home, we love you so much. But today at sundown marks the highest holy day for the Jewish people. Today is the beginning of Yom Kippur. It is the day of atonement. It is the day that we celebrate in our perspective in the new covenant, we celebrate redemption. Is there anybody glad to be born again? Oh, come on now. Let me hear from the people who are born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm still a blood preacher. I said, I'm still a blood preacher. I said, I'm still a blood preacher. So I want to teach today, and we're coming from Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. If you're visiting with me today, I'm so glad to have you. You by live stream, share this. This is about to get thick. We're coming from a new covenant perspective. It says in Hebrews chapter 8, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, that is Jesus, inasmuch as Jesus is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second, because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Are there any new covenant people here today? He said, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful, hallelujah, to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Somebody shout no more. Oh, you missed a good place to stop and just give God a praise that he remembers it no more. In that he says a new covenant. A what covenant? A new covenant. 
He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And, look, and then look at Romans 8, 1 on the screen. There is therefore now. When? When? Now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody in Christ Jesus? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The enemy wants to bring condemnation on us today. The enemy wants us to feel hopeless today. The enemy wants to make us think that 2020 is going to get the best of us, but in Jesus' name, I feel a rising and a shifting. And I'm going to teach for just a few minutes along these lines. Not today, Satan. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to steal my joy today. You're not going to steal my breakthrough today. You're not going to steal my peace today. Somebody just point down at the devil because he's under your feet and say, not today, Satan. Yeah, yeah, what worked yesterday won't work today. What you beat me up over yesterday, I got power over it today. So, Father, we lift up our hands and we tell you to have your way. Lord, I pray as I reveal the mysteries of the Day of Atonement that you will lead and guide me to feed your people in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a great shout and a good hand clap of praise. You can be seated. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody in Christ Jesus today? You know, it seems appropriate to me as we celebrate Yom Kippur for me to talk to you about the perspective of the old covenant and the new covenant and bring into light the price that Jesus paid for you and me. And I want to talk to you specifically today for a few minutes about the significance of this awesome moment. Today is known as Yom Kippur. It is the day of atonement. Somebody say atonement. I look at the word atonement and I'm taken by the fact that the first one, two, three, four, five words are at one, A-T-O-N-E. This is the day when we remember that we are at one with the Lord. We are not separated from him through Jesus. We are at one with the Lord. We're not trying to become saints of God. We are saints of God. And I want to talk to you today about Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur falls exactly 10 days after Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, the Feast of the Trumpets. And this was the one day of the year that the priest went behind the veil. He went into the Holy of Holies. He would go in and represent the Jewish people and he would intercede and intervene for himself, for the priesthood, for his family, and for the whole nation. And in those days of the temple, the responsibility of Yom Kippur was very intense. And it was the most important day in a Jewish person's life today. There's no higher day in a Jewish mindset of religion than today. And so the high priest was focused on his duties. His duties that day were arduous, they were intense, and they were extraordinarily complicated. Virtually every step that this barefooted high priest took was meticulously scripted. It was such an important day, it was essential that the priests didn't make an error on Yom Kippur. It was essential 
that he get it right. According to the Babylonian Talmud that I've studied and, and I was so taken by the fact that the priest, as I read this, I was amazed that the high priest made 42 trips between the court and the sanctuary on this particular day. It was a day that was so important that it was imperative that he get it right because to get it wrong meant that there quite possibly could be no atonement for the people. To get it wrong would certainly mean even death for himself. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, these are the days when I need men and women of God to rise up in power and clarity. See, we're living in a day, precious, when people who call themselves ministers for the Lord have to get it right. Preachers and teachers of God's word have to get it right. We've got to have men and women of God who are committed to standing up and preaching the word and getting it right. Now, I'm certainly not declaring that a man is responsible for redemption, but the priest was careful about how he handled himself. He was careful about how he handled the holy consecrated things of God in the days of the Yom Kippur in the Old Testament. And I want to tell you something. We need men and women of God in this service today who understand that their call is a sacred call, who understands that the gospel is a sacred thing, who understand that the book is a holy book and it's a holy thing. And we need men and women that will stand up in America who are called of God, who are committed to getting it right. The masses are depending on preachers now, on men and women of God who will rise up with the word in their mouth, who have heard from heaven and who are committed to getting it right the priest would spend his life in pursuit he would spend his life preparing he would spend his life getting ready and I want to tell you today I'm not going to stay here but a minute but you don't handle the things of God just any old way you don't handle God's people just any old way see do your best to make sure that those who minister into your life get it right make sure that those you listen to are getting it right make sure that when you hear somebody preach that they are not presenting their own agenda but they are presenting the word of the Lord I'm afraid for those who would minister but have not taken the time to get it right they've taken the time to massage their social media presence they've taken time to look good they've taking time to dress right, but they don't have what matters most right. Be careful when you have more of a performer speaking into your ear than a preacher. Be careful of those who care more about their agenda than God's word. The high priest had every desire to get it right. There are preachers that watch me from around the world. They watch us every week. And I would tell you, preacher, it is imperative that you get it right. How many of you want to hear from a man or a woman of God that has gotten it right? How many of you want to hear from a man or a woman of God that has been to the holy place, that has spent time with the Lord, and that can rise up with the word from heaven? Is there anybody here that says pastor preach me the word preach to me the word even if it makes me squirm preach me the word even if it makes me uncomfortable press me into God's presence push me into the atonement push me into a time of redemption make a little noise if you're hungry to hear truth Yom Kippur is very powerful because see this priest was dedicated to getting it right and God always has somebody committed to getting eternal matters right. 
Now I'm telling you, I may not satisfy everybody. I may make some people mad, but I have no agenda except the agenda of that book. And I am committed to getting it right. I'm committed to not, not satisfy people. I have a higher call. Come on, somebody. Now, Yom Kippur, it's the atonement. What does it mean? It means to pardon. It means to cleanse. It means to reconcile. First of all, I want to hear from the people who've been pardoned and cleansed from their sin. Come on, you at home, give God a praise if you've been cleansed and pardoned. But it also means to reconcile with God. But check this out. Not only does it mean to reconcile with God, it means to reconcile with your neighbors. It means to reconcile with other believers. He said, when you come for atonement, he said, you don't come clothed in your perspectives, in your politics. You don't come clothed in your culture or your race. You don't come clothed in your money. You don't come clothed in your job. You don't come clothed in your stead, but you come as people who need a redemption. See, when we come to the cross, everything shifts. When we come to the cross, we come together. It's a time of reconciliation. The word atonement occurs 45 times in the book of Leviticus. And I want you to pay attention closely to this definition. Yom Kippur was not only the day that you were to be at peace with God, it was the day that you were to be at peace with other people. And I'm declaring that the church is gonna get its act together. I'm declaring that the, I'm gonna say it again. I'm declaring that the church is gonna get its act together and we're gonna live at peace with one another and we're gonna usher in a revival in the last days. How many of you wanna be a part of something really big in the last days? That means your agenda, that means your mindset, that means people who don't handle the holy things of God are gonna have to be ignored and we're gonna have to say, God, I want the truth of your word. It's time for God's church to unite around the blood of Jesus and do tremendous damage to the kingdom of the devil. We're going to look, we're going to look at the atonement for just a moment. For the Jew, this atonement, this Yom Kippur day, this day of atonement, it only happened one day a year. Yom, in fact, is the Hebrew word day, and Kippur is atonement. And to the Jew, it was very powerful because this was the one day of the year that their sin could be covered. The sin was still there, y'all, but it was covered by the blood, the blood of a sacrificed goat or a turtle dove or a lamb or a bullock. And as precious as this day was, to the Israelites, as precious as this day was to the Jews, it was only a temporary fix to a permanent problem. It did not have lasting power. The priest was faithful, but the sin was not completely dealt with. It was covered up. It was swept under the rug. It was still there, but it was covered. But to the believer, the reality of the atonement has a much greater implication. It's more powerful and more far-reaching because see, when those lambs died and those bullocks died and those turtle doves died and those goats died and their blood was shed, that sin was just covered up. It was still there, but it was covered up. But 2,000 years ago, 
there came a better high priest. There came the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole earth. And honey, his blood that cascaded down that cross and gathered in a puddle on Calvary, that blood not only covered your sin, but that blood canceled your sin. <laughs> that priest has to go in every year because the work was never done. But when Jesus finished his work on that cross, when he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, he said three words. He said, it is finished. <laughs> He said, pay teleste in the Hebrew, which means paid in full. He said, what you've been doing every year, you'll never have to do it again because now the atonement is completed through the blood of Jesus Christ. I need somebody who believes in the atoning work of the cross. Make a little noise in the room right now. 2,000 years ago, we have another high priest a better high priest who instituted, the Bible said, a better covenant, and he ever lives. <laughs> He's always living, the Bible says, to make intercession for us. I'm thankful for that. The Bible said in Hebrews 8:12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. Watch this, I will remember no more. Now that is the new covenant. He said, whatever you did, I will remember it no more. Your lawless deeds, your unrighteousness, your sins, I will be merciful and I will remember them no more. People might remember them. Your neighbors might remember them. Your ex-husband might remember them. Come on, somebody. Your mother-in-law won't let you forget it. Religious folk will talk to you about it. But Jesus said, I will remember them no more. I wish I could find somebody here today who was thankful that he doesn't remember any of your sins anymore. Oh, come on now. We're going to go deep. I feel like teaching this morning. I missed you last week. Remember, it's the word memnesco. It means to commit and choose to forget. It literally means to refuse to remind. Now, this is powerful. In the omniscience of God, omniscience, that's two words, all-knowing of God. God always knows what you did. He knows when you did it, he knows how you did it, and he knows who you did it with. But he said, I am choosing to remember it in, not anymore. He said, not only am I committing to forget about it, he said, I am refusing to remind you about it. He said, I'm not even gonna remind you of your past. I'm not gonna talk to you any about what you did, about how you failed, about the things you were involved in. He said, I'm gonna remember it no more. Come on, I dare you right now to give God a praise that he's not remembering your sins anymore. Oh, come on, I said give him praise if you're thankful that he doesn't remember your sin anymore. Not only does he not remember it, he refuses to remind you of it. I love this so much because God declares, not only do I choose to forgive and forget, I will never remind you again about confessed sin that is under the blood of Jesus. 
He said, I'll never remind you again about confessed sin that is under the blood of Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's got anything underneath the blood of Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My dad said, you know, some folks will forgive you and they'll say, I'm bearing the hatchet. But they leave the handle of the hatchet out of the ground. Come on. And then when it gets bad, they pull that hatchet out and they hit you in the head with it. Can I get a witness? But the truth of the matter is, God said, I am choosing not to remember. It reminds me of a story that I heard of an old saint of God, an old woman who had been coming to church for decades and she had been treated on a Sunday so horribly by some young women in the church. She'd been treated so terribly and laughed at and ridiculed. And she came back the very next Sunday and when she came back through the end of the room, she treated these young ladies with such grace and kindness and favor. And somebody came up to this old mother of the church and says, don't you remember? Don't you remember what they did to you? Don't you remember last week how they treated you? She said, not only do I not remember, I distinctly remember forgetting. I dare you right now to give God praise that he remembers nothing. He chose to forget any infraction that you ever committed. Any sin is under the blood. Now watch this. This word that I've been describing to you, it's, it's akin to the word masa'ami. And this, these words are actually, a, they're, they're similar words. And masa'ami means to chew. It means to gnaw. And this is powerful because you know how someone can forgive you and they tell you they forgive you, but deep in your heart, you know that that infraction still gnaws at them. That infraction still eats at them and chews at them. And when you see them, you can still see it in their eyes, no matter how cool things may seem on the outside, you know that is still gnawing and chewing, but Jesus said, my work in the new covenant is so mighty that I won't just cover your sin, I'll cancel your sin. So when I'm forgiving you, I'm forgiving you completely. And the Lord would say, it's not even gnawing at me. The Lord said, it's, it's not even chewing at me. I'm not even worried about it. I'm not even concerned about it. All the things that the enemy wants you to regret, all the things that you did in the past, God said, I'm not even, it's not even gnawing me. He said, it's not even chewing me up. He said, I'm not even thinking about it because when I see you, I don't see what you did. I don't see your infraction. I don't see your failure, but I see that you are covered with the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. And so nothing that you've done can hold you from what I have for you today. Nothing in your then can block God's now for you. Somebody ought to give God a little praise right here. Hallelujah. So remember, I told you that in the new covenant, sin is not just covered, but it is canceled. And the Lord said, I'm committing to forget, and I'm going to refuse to remind you. He doesn't even allow the greatest infraction, the greatest, the greatest failure to gnaw at him. So here's what I need to tell you, precious. Here's what I want you to know. You're watching me by live stream. If your past doesn't gnaw at God, refuse to let it gnaw at you. If your past doesn't bother God, then don't let it bother you.
If your failure doesn't bother God, then don't let it bother you. Let people talk about you. Let them say what they want to say. Let them look at you side-eyed. Let them do whatever they want to do. But you know that in the mighty name of Jesus, your past is your testimony. Hallelujah, that you have overcome. Somebody give God a praise right now. See, one of the things the enemy most wants to do in your life is to hold you in condemnation. He wants to hold you in a place where you feel like you don't deserve anything good from God. He wants to hold you, precious, in a place where you feel like I don't deserve breakthrough, I don't deserve healing, I, don't des- I can't even worship the Lord because I'm not worthy. Some people come to church and say, I can't worship, Pastor, because I'm not worthy. Let me give you just a little commercial break. We don't worship the Lord because we're worthy. We worship the Lord because he's worthy. Now, the enemy wants to hold you in condemnation because he knows if he can hold you in condemnation, he can keep you from walking fully into God's promises for your life. So Paul said there is now, now, therefore no condemnation. How much? None. Zero, zilch. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, condemnation has as its root the word condemn. It means a verdict. It means a sentence. And the enemy wants to make you think that you're underneath a verdict, that you're underneath a sentence. Someone who walks in condemnation is someone who always has something gnawing at them because they feel like they're about to be arrested. Come on. They feel like they're about to be, they're about to be imprisoned. They're past. They're failure. They feel like they're under some kind of a sentence. And the Jews, however, believe that on Yom Kippur, that all that shifts, that they are no longer in condemnation, that now everything has come together. And for the Jews, here's what they believe. They believe that on the day of atonement, that the enemy can make no accusation against them. They believe that that one day a year, come on now, that the devil has no right to remind them of anything. They believe on the day of atonement that they can tell the devil to shut up. They believe that on the day of atonement the devil cannot accuse them. I love this because listen, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says concerning condemnation, there is now, 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 therefore no condemnation. The Jews will silence the devil for one day on the day of atonement. But see, we now have a better high priest. We have another high priest. So we don't just have to say devil on the day of atonement, you gotta shut up. But no, tomorrow you gotta shut up. And next week you gotta shut up. And next year you gotta shut up because there is now. Somebody shout. Now. I dare you to give God praise for right now. I've come to tell you, don't you dare, don't you dare allow the enemy any right to cause you to walk as one condemned. You are not condemned, you are redeemed. So put your hand on your chest and say, I'm not condemned. Say, I am redeemed. (laughs) Oh, you better tell yourself again. Put your hand on your chest and say, self. Say, you are not condemned. You are redeemed. And what does the Bible say about redeemed people? The Bible said in Psalms 107, to let 
the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I'm looking for redeemed people this morning. I found about half of you. I said, I'm looking for redeemed people this morning. What did the redeemed of the Lord say? They say so. Somebody say so. When the devil tries to remind you of what you did, you need to say so. When the devil reminds you of your past, you need to say so. When the devil tries to remind you of that addiction, you need to say so. When the devil tries to remind you of that failure, you need to say so. So, so what devil? So what devil? I have a high priest who shed his blood for me and became the Lamb of God. I am redeemed and one day I shall be resurrected. Hallelujah, I dare you right now if you're redeemed give the Lord a little praise give him a little praise somebody shout so the devil said you can't praise tell the devil so the devil said you can't worship tell the devil so the devil said you're not forgiven you need to tell the devil so are they really redeemed people you ought to praise him right about now we need to say so in this season of uncertainty and craziness, you need to say so. So I'm telling you, don't you feel like you have to measure up or you have to become good enough? Just tell the devil so. Come on now. Now watch this. We must say so. You gotta keep saying it until you're totally convinced. You gotta keep, you gotta keep saying it until you, 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 you believe it. Now, on Yom Kippur, on this awesome special day, I could teach so long on this. I'm running out of time, man. I, I just wish it would slow down. So I'm, I'm just going to teach till I get through. How about that? All right. Every move that the priest made was choreographed. When that barefooted high priest went into the presence of God, every move was choreographed. So much so that he wore golden bells that had been sewed to his garment, to the hem of his garment, and those bells would ring. And as long as they could hear the sound of the bells ringing, they knew they had a living high priest. As long as they could hear the sound of bells ringing, they knew that the work was being done and everything was gonna be all right. The Bible says that, that, that there is, he is also able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession. Now let me ask you this, is there anybody here with a living high priest? Oh Jesus. I said, is there anybody here with a living high priest who always lives to make intercession? Now, as long as that priest was working, you could hear the bells ringing, and there was a confidence that came because the bells were ringing. And years ago, I talked about bell ringing praise. I talked about the fact that the church needs to be full of bell ringing praise. In 2020, when all the mess has been going on, when COVID and division and doubt and racism and fear and immorality has been going on, there needs to be a church that has bell ringing praise. 
it's time for bell ringing praise to fill the mouths of the people of God. I'm sorry if my praise offends you on Yom Kippur, but you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. In America, there needs to be a church that has bell ringing praise, and they need to know that the church is not quiet, the church is not defeated, the church is not going down, but it is full of people that will praise the Lord. Somebody give God a mighty praise right now. Tell your neighbors, just say, holler at them, even if they're not close to you, just say, neighbor, I'm gonna bring God a little bell ringing praise. Somebody bring God a bell ringing praise right now. Yeah. Somebody bring God a bell ringing praise. Everything is gonna be all right. The high priest is in position. He ever lives to make intercession. Oh, glory to God. Jesus. Now, priest would go in and he would declare the unutterable name of God. Jews won't even write it out. They, they, they won't even speak it. It's called the Tetragrammaton. And they would only say it on this day. It is such a holy name. And only the high priest would say it. And he would say it 10 times. 10 times. You say, what's the significance of that? The significance of that is this. I believe it was one for each broken commandment. He would say the unutterable name of God. That day, the day that the, 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 the name that they would never use, the name today that Jewish people won't even write, they won't even say it. On that day, the priest would walk into the Holy of Holies and he would declare it. One for every broken commandment. He would declare the name of God over it. You say, well, do we have a name? Do we have a name that we can use on Yom Kippur? Honey, you have a name you can use on Yom Kippur, and you have a name you can use on Memorial Day, and you have a name you can use on the 4th of July, and you have a name that you can use on Christmas, and you, can have, you have a name that you can use on Tax Day, and you have a name that you can use on Sick Day, and you can have a name that you can use on Well Day. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I got a name, I got a name. Somebody give that name a mighty praise. Why? Because there is not salvation access in any other name. But there is one name under heaven. I, I just want to hear from the people who are thankful for the name of Jesus. I, uh, come on, you. You're not talking about the unutterable name. You're not talking about the name that the Jews can only use one time a year. But you got access to a name that makes demons tremble. You got access to a name that has power over devils. You got access to a name that is greater than sickness. You got access to a name that is greater than COVID. You got access to a name that is greater than division. Somebody give the mighty name of Jesus a mighty big praise. Now, I love that name. Huh. Speak that name over my sin. Speak that name over my struggle. Speak that name over my issues. Speak that name over my children. Uh, speak that name over my family. 
I'm about to run. I speak that name over my church. I speak that name over my marriage. I speak that name over my sick body. I speak that name over my fevered children. I speak that name over my struggle. I speak that name over my nation. I speak that name over my church. Somebody declare the name Jesus. Somebody shout the name Jesus. There is a name. Oh, I love him today. I said, I love him today. Now watch this. Let me read the Leviticus from the Old Covenant perspective from a more modern translation. It says, this is a lasting ordinance for you. On the 10th day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and do not do any work. He said, you're not going to be able to accomplish this. He said, whether native born or alien among you, because this, this day atonement will be made for you. Then, somebody say then, before the Lord you will be clean from your sins. It is a Sabbath of rest. He said, you can't do it, but atonement's gonna be made for you. He said, you can't save yourself. You can't deliver yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't bless yourself. You, you don't have any right to anything, so atonement is gonna be made for you. Beloved, this is mighty because in this text, we see people they, here, they were told to rest. They said, don't do any work. He said, don't you even try, don't do anything. He said, on this day of atonement, I want you to rest. I want you to rest. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that I want you to rest in what Jesus has done for you. We kid ourselves if we think we can work our way into the grace of God and into the atoning work of the Lord. The Bible said in Ephesians 8, Ephesians 2, 8, it said, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works in the Greeks, it means this, not your business, not your ingenuity, not your, not your enterprise, not anything accomplished by your hand not the industry of your mind he said you can't do it but I can you can't save yourself but I can you can't heal yourself but I can he said all the stuff you've been worried about all the stuff that's been stealing your joy and robbing you of your sleep he said I'm telling you it's time to rest I don't know about you but this has been a hellish year this has been a year like I have never experienced in my life and the devil has tried to torment me and torture me and defeat me. The devil has tried to distract me, but I have made up in my mind I can't fix it anyway, so I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to rest in the Lord. God said, while you're resting, I'm working. God said, while you're relaxing, I'm shifting. God said, while you're taking confidence in me, I'm turning things around. Somebody give the Lord a mighty praise. Here's what the Lord said. Now, here's, you need to hear this. Have you been stressed out? Have you been watching the news and getting worried? Come on now. Has the enemy tried to, to rob you of your peace? On this day of atonement, I want you to find rest. The Bible said it is a Sabbath of rest. Somebody say rest. See, I love Jesus so much because Jesus said, come to me. In Matthew 11, 
all ye that are heavy laden and labor. And he said, I will give you what? Somebody shout rest. He said, come to me. He said, there's nowhere else you can go. You can't find a rest in your money. You can't find a rest in your status. You can't find rest in politics. You can't find a rest in religion. Y'all ain't, I'm preaching better than you're letting on. You can't find a rest in your appearance. You can't find a rest in your title. He can, you can't find a rest in your success. He said, but if you will come to me, I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest. Is there anybody ready to claim Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and say rest is mine in this next season? One, two, three, give God a praise if that's you. Now I'm teaching, what's this? Rest is the word anipo, it's actually two words. It means to provide refreshing, repose, and recovery. Anna means to come into the midst of, and po means to obtain a release. It means a rest from sin, from enticements, from seduction. And Jesus was saying, I'm gonna come into your midst, and I'm gonna give you rest. Now listen, Jesus is teaching this day. He's teaching the people and the religious elite are there, and I'm sure when he used the word pal, when he said, I'm gonna give you rest from your sin, I'm gonna give you rest from your enticements, and your seductions and everything that has held you, I'm about to give you rest from it. There were fanatical religious people there who wanted their religion to be their justifier. They wanted their religion to be their way to find justification. But Jesus said, hear me in this room. He said, your religion can't save you. Following rules can't save you. You can't get rest in your money. You can't get rest in your success. He said, but if you come to me, he said, I'll come to you and I'll give you rest. Anybody ready for rest in the room today? In the eyes of those who base and place their faith in God and their place in God on works, most of us will never measure up. But Jesus came to give us rest. Now watch this. Hebrews 7 says he was made a priest. On Yom Kippur, the Jews have a priest that goes in. He goes behind the veil. He carries a censer or a shovel or a spoon, how whatever you want to call it. It's full of the coals off the altar. And he drops those coals behind the veil. And then he gets two handfuls of the incense of worship. Come on. And he throws that incense of worship on those coals. And that smoke rises up and represents the worship of the people of God. He's covered with oil and he's carrying blood. He's covered with oil. They have put an uncommon anointing of oil, anointing oil on him, and he's dripping in the oil. Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil, the ointment that came down upon the head, the beard, the skirts of Aaron's garment. He's covered in the oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. He's covered up in the oil, but he's carrying a bow, and the bow has blood in it. 
Yeah. The bowl has blood in it, and the bowl is pointed at the bottom. It's pointed at the bottom. It's not a bowl that you could sit down. It's a bowl that is pointed at the bottom because he can never set the bowl down because the work was never done. So he walks in carrying the blood covered in the oil, and he drops oil on the, uh, he drops blood on the mercy seat. Now, let me tell you, the priest wanted to sit down because he wanted the work to be done. He wanted to sit down because his high priest wanted to finish the work, but he could not finish the work because he knew next year I'm going to have to do the same thing again. Next year he could never sit down. But let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, he shouted with a loud voice, it is finished. And the Bible said that the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. If it had been rent from the bottom to the top, a man would have rented. But God said, no, when I saw Jesus declare it is finished, he said, I reached down and I tore that veil myself from the top to the bottom. Now the priest could never sit down. The priest could never get the work done. But let me tell you, we have a high priest. Do you know where our high priest is right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. It's time for you to rest. Give God a mighty praise. Think about it. That priest would, he would want to be finished, but the work was never done. He couldn't sit down. So the people could rest for one day. Then the next day, they started all over again. They were carrying it again. They were struggling again. But we have a better high priest whoever lives to make intercession for us. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, can I talk to you? I need to shut up, but I feel like teaching. <laughs> Seraphim and cherubim and angels in his presence right now saying holy holy is the Lord and everything was a type and a shadow of what was going on that Old Testament tabernacle was just a type and a shadow of what was happening in heaven now watch this. Get a chair, and you and you, son, Christian, y'all stand on either side of it. Give me a chair right here. And y'all stand on either side of the chair. Mm, I feel worship coming in here. Whew. Come on, John, I feel a little worship in the room right now. Now remember, remember the atonement, on the day of atonement, it was one day, 
a year, but you got every day. So tomorrow when the devil tries to speak against you, you need to say, not today, Satan. Next week, say, not today, Satan. Next month, not today, Satan. So here's what would happen. The priest, there were two angels on either side in their wings of worship. There was a mercy seat in the middle. One angel represents the righteousness of God. One angel represents the justice of God. Now the Bible said these angels were of a hammered work. They were not precast or preformed, but they were beaten into position. They were angels that were not poured into a mold, but they were hammered into position. And it took the hammer blows to beat them in position. The hammer blows would beat them into position. And they would find themselves finally in a position of worship. See, hell thinks the hammer blows of 2020 are going to turn us away from God. Hell thinks the hammer blows of 2020 are going to push us away from mercy. But I need to let hell know that all the hammer blows of life have done for me. It's gotten me now to a place where I want to worship at another level. I want God to know, Lord, I'm depending on you. Yes, I am. I'm counting on you. Some of you have let the hammer blows turn you away. But God said, I'm not going to precast you. I'm not going to make this easy. He said, sometimes you'll have to worship me in the midst of COVID. Sometimes you'll have to worship me in the midst of seasons that you don't understand. But let the hammer blows of life turn you toward the throne. There's a mercy seat. Come on, the battered wings are together. The blood is on the mercy seat. The priest comes in, sprinkles the blood, dripping in oil. What in the world can you do when you have the righteousness of God and the justice of God? How can you ever satisfy the righteousness of God and the justice of God? There had to be a mercy seat in the middle. God said, the only way that you'll know my power is to get mercy in the middle. I need somebody to know right now that you're not saved because of your works. You're saved because blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat. And there is mercy in the middle. And right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Angels and seraphim and seraphim are, are flying around him. And he is making intercession on your behalf. So when hell tries to tell you you're not worthy, you need to say, not today, Satan. Not today. You don't deserve to be healed. You don't deserve to be redeemed. You don't deserve freedom. You need to say, not today, devil. I have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. I want everybody to get your elements out. Mm. 
Haven't received the offering yet. See, Pastor, did you forget? You know I didn't. So I don't want you to leave until after we receive our offerings. But right now, we're going to give an offering that is not a check. We're going to give ourselves to the Lord in this moment. Come on, John. Somebody slip up your hands and worship the Lord. She sings on it. chastisement of our peace was laid upon him when with his stripes we are healed hold that bread before him I declare that the atonement has made a way for your healing I speak healing over your sick body I speak healing over your sick marriage over your sick situation over your sick season and I release healing somebody say with his stripes come on say I am healed you might partake you by home I hope you even if you've got a piece of bread or a little bit of juice or a, a potato whatever you have even if it's a potato chip or a cracker take this communion with me and then there's the issue of blood there is a fountain filled with blood Drawn from Amen. Amen. 
hold that cup before him and say lose. Lose. I feel, I feel heaven releasing over your life right now. Come on, hold that up and receive cup before you and we say thank you that we've lost all of our guilty stain we thank you lord that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus we thank you that our sin doesn't gnaw at you our sin doesn't bother you our sin doesn't worry you our sin doesn't upset you we are redeemed and you choose to forget it hallelujah we declare today satan the blood of jesus is against you not today satan you don't get to torment me today you don't get to remind me today of my past i'm free hallelujah and you might partake in jesus mighty name now let me say this watch this now when that priest would finish his work he would walk out to the people and he would shout on the on the porch he would shout out to israel he would shout it is finished and when he shouted the people believed that a, the spirit of god came on him and they heard it from dan to beersheba they believed that the people who couldn't even come for the day of atonement could hear the words it is finished i need to tell you the thing that you've been worried about god's got it under control i dare you right now to give god a shout if you believe it is finished Come on, if you got anything out of the Word today, give the Lord a mighty shout. If you know who you are, if you know who you are. Now, I want everybody to remain standing for just a moment if you're able. Come up here, Christian. Couple things I want to share with you. I'm excited about what's to come. Nobody, I, I don't want you to leave for just a moment. I want you to watch this video. The Lord spoke to me that our revenge is going to be revived. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060 or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.